from Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulay Brothers, Creatures of the Night. Welcome monsters, misfits, and miscreants, and all of the little creatures under our monochrome rainbow to the pride-themed episode of Creatures of the Night. Happy Pride! Work, Mom! Yes, Queen! I'll work, honey boots! (laughs) Okay, so why is Happy Pride so cringy? (laughs) <laughs> it is Why? I mean I don't think it is to everybody I really mm-hmm. don't And for those people I love them for yeah. that I love to celebrate through them While I watch them Kind of feel all the feels Of the rainbow And all that stuff But for me There's like a weird cringe to it And I don't know How to put my finger on it I mean for me I think that it's Like when we say Capital P pride To me And oh god I hate that I'm gonna get on my Capitalist like Soapbox here But it's like Corporate pride You know it's like Ah, uh, this isn't really for me. Like, I don't think pride parades and pride celebrations don't represent me. They like, don't represent you, but you know, I'm learning. I'm being reminded, at least, why they are important, right? Because, mm-hmm. okay, Target, right? Like, Target had all their pride stuff ready to go. Which, by the way, we were supposed to be a part of that. I don't know if I told you that the merch. We were supposed to have pride merch this wow. year at Target, which would have been great. But anyways, and all these right wing people attacked it, and so they pulled it. Mm-hmm. To me. I feel like that's very weak. That's a very weak signal to send because the whole point of pride is that you're sort of standing up in the face of adversity. So if you crumble at the first challenge, how prideful are you really? You know what I mean? Like you're not very full of pride. A hundred percent. And and just the littlest drop of fear, right? Mm -hmm. On target's part and they run, they hide in the corners, but this is the fear. Like these kind of threats are what a lot of us grew up around. Right. This type of like threat of violence or being like X'd out or canceled or somehow like ignored or boycotted, like, welcome to our world, uglies. Like, mm-hmm. this is the yoke that we've all grown up under. And I think we've come to better times, like softer times. But I look at the more precious generations and I do cringe <laughs> for them because I-, I feel for them and I fear for them a little bit because everybody's so special and like kind of soft about entitlement and like making space and stuff like that. But guess what, sweeties, you have to fight for that sometimes. And people will come at you and come at you very hard. And even the generations before us, they fought twice as hard as we did. It's time to get dirty again. It seems like I feel like you're hitting on something that I agree with. Like when I think about target, canceling all their pride stuff like I think it's weak and I think that it's really sad that we are kind of looking at this like how could Target do this I'm like this is exactly why I think it's cringy because at the first drop of fear Target's like oh I can't do this anymore and I'm like you know what it would be really nice if someone would actually be like hey we are going to back the queer community full stop like fuck the bigots we don't care like we support our queer people but instead like corporate pride doesn't mean anything to me because it's just like, okay, cool. You sold a rainbow t-shirt, but then you didn't sell the rainbow t-shirt. It's Make weird. It sense. I noticed that like, I think Anheuser-Busch and I should fact check this, but I think they 
actually doubled down on the response. You know, they got all that backlash. And I think that they donated like $200,000 to LGBTQ plus causes. Oh, I hope that's so right. So they're doubling down. It was either them. I don't know. I think they own Bud Light, but I'm not sure. I'm not like mm-hmm. a beer queen. So I don't know. But <laughs> beer queen. <laughs> beer queen at the bar. The pink minded dollars will not forget that either. No, like, I know. The gay and queer memory runs long and deep. Like someone who comes forward and stands by the community, they will be recognized and remembered for a long time. I want to talk about the cringiness, even though I cringe at it and it isn't necessarily like the corporate aspect, although I can see that for sure. For me, I always just feel like once or twice removed and I always have, right? Maybe we all have and like, Mm -hmm. hi, that's where Dragula comes from and everything. It's like, I'm not only weird, I'm queer and weird. So even amongst the queer community, amongst the gay community, I feel like we're, we're like a horse of another color. It takes a lot of extra energy to be like recognized because it's so strange. So I I feel like it's cringy because it's not for me, but I can celebrate and I'm happy that children might be able to go into a target, you know, maybe not this year, but in the past. And that's why this is important Mm -hmm. and just see a little bit of themselves in the t-shirt aisle or just like, Hey, what is this? And like, I might be part of that. And I think that's really important psychologically for, for children and even, even adults that never had that in their growing life. And I think it's going to be felt right. And who knows for how long that's no longer with us, at least right now. Visibility is important, right? Mm -hmm. Even as cringy as the rainbow flag may be to people like us, you know, it does mean something and it sends a very important message of inclusivity. And maybe, you know, they're willing to change it now. So if you protest enough, they maybe they'll add like a pink bat to the middle of it or something because they're adding all sorts of things to it. Well, Which we, I don't care. I'm like, put a star on it. You can put a giraffe listen, on it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If like, Twitter has taught us anything, if you scream and cry long enough, things will change. Like, maybe. Yeah. I do think, though, like I have faith in sort of like Gen Z. Like I feel like when push comes to shove, they'll stand up as queer people just like we did. They just haven't had to. And I think that's part of the problem is that I think we're seeing the effects of maybe effort that other generations put in, right? Because, hi, everyone put all this effort in so that inclusivity was there. Well, it's there, so now a younger generation does not have to deal with the same challenges that other generations did. So now they're bratty about it, and they think it's fun to go on Twitter and cancel each other and be very divisive with each other. And I'm like, and this is something I've always said, it will be this way until the end of time. The left will always eat themselves. They will always eat themselves and tear themselves apart. And I think that's the biggest challenge when it comes to politics is the right is very unified and the left always, you can just guarantee they will destroy each other and never be unified. So at the end of the day, it's good that Target tried to do something. I think they said they were removing their merchandise to protect their employees. I think that's very weak. And I think it's a symbol that you don't understand the origins of that flag. And you should not be allowed to sell it for that reason. But I do want to go back to your intro where you kind of turned this phrase, the monochrome rainbow. And it reminds me of, I think we did a Dragula party back when those things happened. And it was in June. And I remember crafting, like, you know, it was a big, like, black rainbow (laughs) going into two clouds, right? And the clouds had, like, really cutesy little faces, and they were vomiting the color rainbow. And I actually feel like I've seen, like, weird merch that came up years later, like, kind of like that. That's the idea, right? My rainbow is kind of dreary and a little bit of, like, monochrome black. But when push comes to shove, I, too, could even vomit the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's weird to me is, like, you were talking about, like, oh, pride, capital P, pride, why is it so cringy? But, like, to me, I'm like, I am proud to be gay. Like, I am so proud that I am gay. And, Say it like, again. I'm pr- Mama, <laughs> I am proud, Mary. Like, I'm proud to be gay. The thing is, I don't need 
the pride flag, but I think that there are people who do need it, you know, and like you said, like visibility is important and these things are important to other people. Cause symbols are powerful. I mean, yeah. yeah, those symbols have an effect in their lives. Yeah. But you know, I too thank the universe every day, just as much as Ian looks at martyrs. I thank the universe <laughs> that I am queer. I would have it no other way. So you're I obsessed. I don't want to be part of any other community. I'm very fucking happy being a queer person today. And I think about that more than Ian thinks about martyrs. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's think about the maybe more fun side of pride, right? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is the gayest horror movie you've ever seen? Ooh. A rocker. <laughs> Could be. Is that it? I don't know. I just threw it out there because I know Ian too. Like we kind of separately have had like this research love and recognition and rewatches of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yes. And I think I've never in my life appreciated it and loved it more than I do right now. Yeah. Like same. what a tragedy. I do, I do. I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I'm so here for this movie right now. I was just loving it in ways I've never loved it before. More, it's, more, it's, more. <laughs> mean she uh-huh. <laughs> it's definitely a movie for the current generation in my opinion because it's very genderless and all over the place and pansexual you yeah know? yeah i do love it it's got a little bit of like a gen z sensibility in terms of like the pacing because it is manic i mean hi it's like almost like tiktok in the way that it'll be like shift from like well it's just a, a jump to the left and then a step to the right and yeah. you know, it's your hips but no, it's, it's really a quiet. lot it really is yeah that just came to mind just because i have rewatched it very recently Another one that comes off as like really gay is Fright Night. Like Fright Ooh. Night has like a very homoerotic sensibility with like those questionable neighbors. And I think just the shoulder pads and like the 80s of it all is like really gay. I think my pick is going to be The Old Dark House or Death Becomes Her, which oh, I think is Death a super her. gay. Yeah. You know, even though it's not overtly gay at all, it's so gay. Mm. Totally. I was trying to think of like a subversion that's like high, like a super macho horror movie that I can be like, oh, this is gay. But I'm going to go with another new French extremity. I'm going to go with High Tension, which is a lesbian horror film. And it is super brutal. And mm, it's just bleak. I literally have that loaded on my phone, <gasps> ready for my intercontinental flight tomorrow yes! night on the way to Australia. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I have High Tension. I think I'm going to rewatch Rocky again. Ooh. What else did I download? I'm not remembering. Oh, Renfield. We've talked about watching it for we weeks now. It. I'm going to watch it. it. I watch might it. watch all of the Evil Deads, but I haven't decided yet. You Ooh. should. Because you know, I'll say this to all our listeners who are going to have a heart attack. I have never watched any Evil Dead. None of it. I never have. <gasps> oh, never my had God. Gay Ash, pride gas. Ash versus the Evil Dead. Any of that. None of it. I've had zero interest in anything to do with that franchise. And I know people think I should have watched every horror movie in existence, but I have not. And I will not. But I might. Go ahead and watch this so I know what the fuck you all are talking about. Okay. You should. Mama. Will it be boring on a plane, though? What do you think? Is it going to be, like, terrible? Boring it will not be. It's wacky, and you're probably going to hate them all. But I, I've, <laughs> I, I've, <laughs> never, I've never seen the third one. Oh, the Army of the Dead? Army of the Dead. I've not seen that one yet. Yeah. yeah. I'm also going to throw in Megan as a gay horror movie because even yeah. though it's not a gay horror movie, that is a gay horror movie. We all showed up for Megan. And you know it's another one? This is a little more highbrow gay and I think a little more fashion gay with a little gothic <laughs> twist would be The Hunger. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I can see that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how about who are your favorite 
horror hunks. Like, I'm talking about, like, you know, when you used to watch, like, horror movies back in the day and they would stick out and you'd be like, oh, wait, I'm gay. Like, who, <laughs> who are those Who are those characters the for you? Because there's, like, all kinds of Instagrams and everything, like, fan accounts about this stuff. So I was curious, like, who you all's oh, totally. picks were. Well, like, talk about hunk. Like, quintessential 80s hunk is the guy from Silent Night, Deadly Night. The, you know, the one who puts on the Santa suit. Right. Yes. It, very much so. But the yeah. original one, the first one, right. which we rewatched. And he's like super hot. He is really hot. We can't talk about the second one because everybody knows I hate like, what's your favorite this and what's your least favorite that? But I knew after I watched Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 that I had my answer of what is the worst horror movie I have ever seen in my life. And it is Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Wow. <laughs> I dare I dare anyone to fuck with that. I also, I feel like I have to apologize to myself because this question threw me for a loop. I was like, wait, horror hunks? I don't have it. And they're like, oh, wait, I remembered who I am. I'm like, mama, we have Vincent Price looking snacky <laughs> in House of Wax. We have my 80s daddy, Kurt Russell in The Thing. Yeah. Oh, oh I know. God. That's why I thought you would have like 100. I, I don't know. Honestly, I got thrown because of pride. I was like, let me try to be corporate pride. But mama... I love a horror hunk. A lot of guys that became like A-list celebrities started off in like horror movies. Like Chris Hemsworth was in. Oh, was yeah. He, in? he was like a little twink back then. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about that. Yeah. He was in something. I think there like a couple of them were in movies like that. I have a recent one, too. But what do you say? One, one for me is his name is Jason Patrick. He played Michael from The Lost Boys. Ooh, oh, right. Yes. Yeah. That's a classic one. Very sexual. I remember the character Brady and Halloween 4 was really hot, too. Ooh. I have like a weird picture. And this is a recent one. I think that Kyle Gallner, who plays the cop in Smile, is like he just looks oh, so yeah, we were slutty. Talking about oh, him. oh, he's yeah. yeah. very I'm like, horny. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Mama, you need to calm down. <laughs> I was like, this guy's sex appeal is like jumping off the screen. Oh, Mama, when the Mama Monster at the end opens her mouth up, I was like, same <laughs> me at Kyle Gallner. <laughs> well, for those of you at home. Google horror hunks and you'll see there are like millions of hot guys, especially in the 80s. There was a lot of hot shirtless guys. Sleepaway camp. Everyone was in half shirts and, you know. But what's the one? It's like Friday the 13th 2. Yes. All of the campers are like Super right out of hot. 80s porn. Yeah, 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 I mean running shirtless and like, you know, full, full like half <laughs> nude people. It's amazing oh what about the like the pervert in the <laughs> hi the me what about the pervert from x who's like the director who like gets killed in his whitey tidies oh that's <laughs> oh, right you liked him yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah mm -hmm. wait <laughs> oh yeah well anyways we're gonna take a break and we're gonna leave the sleepaway camp woods and when we come back we're gonna dive into the yellow jackets wilderness <laughs> stay tuned we'll be right back Welcome back, and welcome to this episode's Junior Mints Movie Club Review. This week, we are recapping and reviewing Season 2 of Showtime's Yellow Jackets, and I can't wait to dig in. It's finally here. We're doing it. We are doing it. I'm so excited. We were talking about Yellow Jackets all the time, so much that I think we lost half our listeners. No, I can't. <laughs> but I did notice when we were doing the podcast live, yes. we'd be like, who's ready for us to review Yellow Jackets? And they're like, they're like, uh -huh. not really. They're like, wait, didn't we watch that like last winter? Like, Shut up. <laughs> I know. And by the way, is it officially redubbed now? The Junior Mints Movie Club review? <gasps> I think it just happened. 
Oh, I think it just my happened, God. you guys. Well, guess what? <laughs> what? The merch is in. I saw oh! it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I the, can't wait. The snack pouch is so <laughs> cute. We're, I want one. When we get back from Australia, we're mm-hmm. going to go over to the factory and look at everything. Yes. So you all get to see it, and <gasps> maybe we'll tease it online. I love it. Because, you know, I'm going to have my tumbler on my left, my snack mm-hmm. pouch on my right, and when we record next time, you're going to hear... <laughs> <laughs> all, all the little sound effects of Junior Mints happening as we yes. review. I said it when we were doing the podcast on tour, and I mean it. All of these items are useful because they'll save you a lot of money because you can fill your snack pack with all your candies, and then you can bring a tumbler in with a drink. You don't have to pay all those high-end movie prices. Or you can be a weirdo like me and bring a trench coat in the middle of the summer full of snacks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember we went to watch What's the one the movie we went to see that was like she's in the tunnel under the house or whatever? You oh, you're talking Barbarian. It. Barbarian. Uh, my favorite movie of <laughs> I was on like a crazy diet and I snuck in a giant bag of that like Whole Foods, like low whatever. Remember that popcorn that they made? Oh, Smart like, Pop or uh, whatever. Lesser, lesser <laughs> Evil. the whole bag. I was like, I don't know if it's Lesser Evil if you eat the entire fucking bag, but yeah. whatever. That's I'm sure it was a little less than regular popcorn. That's a very good snacker. Okay. So let's get to Yellow Jackets. We've been waiting to watch this forever. And finally, we have watched everything up through the finale. And so now we're going to talk about it. So I think we should talk about the past sequences first, right? Sure. So let's go. We kind of have like two timelines, right? So we'll talk about the past first and then we'll fast forward to the future. I think so because they're so separate and not connected. So, okay. So in the past, the girls found Javi not to be confused with JV, Ian, I know that you saw that written there. Oh, I did. Or not to be confused with, uh, I'll call you out here uh, later, Javi Brother, whose name is Travis. <laughs> That's JV Brother. Oh, JV Brother. Perfect. So, wow. Okay, so the girls found JV after months of being lost, <laughs> oh but he wouldn't tell him where he was, right? And he wouldn't mm-hmm. talk. Shauna has a baby, but it actually was stillborn, and she has, like, kind of a breakdown. I mean, kind of a breakdown, as I think, putting it very lightly. I guess, you know, We're hallucinating like that you a had com- a real baby is... A complete psychological breakdown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> I'm kind of working through my own right now, and that's why I use BetterHelp. Oh, kid, my I'm God. <laughs> so then Shauna has her breakdown, and then she beats up Lottie. Let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. I had a problem with that. She beat the shit out of her. Because first of all, I'm like, I've seen a lot of fights uh-huh. and I've never seen someone get beat up that bad. And if I did, I think they would be dead. What do you all think? Yes. And I dislike the sort of sanctimonious, like she needed to get all her pain out on me. I'm like, oh my God. See, like, I'm, I'm totally here for that. <laughs> I, I, I like that. She was like, I'm going to be the conduit. You know, Lottie's like kind of, scrying into the future her like omniscience or whatever it is that her connection to the wilderness her saying like you know she needs to channel this somewhere she's falling apart we need her so like i'll take it was about the only part i liked about that because i hate seeing violence and i don't enjoy people getting their ass kicked because i was actually around a ton of that when i was younger and i have seen people get brutally beat like that yeah but they don't swell up that instantly like that like she would be dead but also i'm like (laughs) i'm like this shauna go outside and punch a tree and get over it right like why do you have to beat up lottie like go outside and beat up a tree it made me hate shauna even more i mean okay i will say this i mean uh, hi the shauna apologist here like i know things are dire but i was a little like oh thank god i hate lottie really (laughs) you hate lottie well even though i hate her sanctimonious bullshit of like she had to get it out on me like i do think it sets like 90s Lottie up for my favorite part, which is like Lottie's psychological break of like, 
oh god I don't want this like mm. and I do love that but yeah I'm like kick her ass like she deserves it I beat her <laughs> I thought that the other ones would have stopped her you know like they just sat there and watched I'm like they're bored weird <laughs> they were like we don't have TV I'm so like, like why I'm like Shauna I would have to be like this if I was there if I was the whistling girl or one of those people I'd be like all right everybody listen up Shauna, you're fucking annoying. Okay, you got too much shit going on. I get it. You're a drama. You're pregnant. You cheated. You did. You killed Jackie. It's over for you. We're eating you. You're the heaviest here, and you will keep us fed. You will keep us fed for longer than anybody else. You're you're now mincemeat. I don't know. I'm looking over at the coach, and I'm like, those thighs still got a little meat on. He's one of the only guys there. You can't eat him. <laughs> yes, I can. You can't cook him. Happy Pride, everyone. I thought you were gonna say those legs, and you can't use an ass because you only got one. <laughs> wow. Let me not make my third leg joke. Oh, <laughs> what I'm trying to figure out because I'm kind of enamored and I'm kind of into the idea of like the tribal roles that everybody sort of takes on now that they're in the wild and there's very much this like spiritual aspect of living in the woods. And I will get to the house burning down, or why didn't they run away, or why don't they try to escape? And I kind of feel like this is where their clan sort of exists under these new rules, right? But the piece I can't figure out is, and I said this to you, Drac, like, what is Misty's role? Because she's kind of like, she has a unique role, and she's sort of a, the speaker or something like that between the mystic and the rest of the tribesmen. And she even edits and manipulates mm-hmm. the messages of the speaker, yeah. the messages of the mystic, and the reaction of the tribe. And she really manipulates the whole feeling of everyone. I guess you're right. We have like a hunter role. We have this sort of mystic slash leader role. We have her who's sort of the speaker. We have Shauna who's just annoying and sad. (laughs) Well, Shauna handles the meat. Oh, she's the butcher. That's right. Is that why they like her so much? Because I'm like, what does she do for you? She tends the bodies and the meat and she portions everything out. And there's another girl, and I don't Meat know that queen. she has a name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like the alpha of like the basics. You know, she's just like a regular tribe <laughs> background. Way, but way she's like, she? we're going to follow, you know, we need her. And that's what we're doing. And everyone's like, you're right. That is what we're doing. But she's still like, Lottie's like number one pawn. You yeah. know, do you know who I mean? Yeah, I know who you, I no idea what her name is. Yeah. It's weird though. I think that Misty, the end of the season is like everyone kind of comes to terms with like the futility of their situation, which I kind of love for. But I think that Misty proves her worth very early on in season one, where it's like she's the only one with medical knowledge. And so I think that when it's revealed that Shauna is pregnant, it's like, oh, Misty is going to be the one to deliver this baby. Like if we need something, Misty will know what to do. Cut to Misty's crisis of like, I am in way over my head. And Lottie's like, you have to get in there. You have to do this. Like, I don't know. I think that they sort of like, try to raise her up but then she fails <laughs> like you're the doctor and she's like i don't know why but okay <laughs> i guess i can take that responsibility <laughs> i love the flashbacks to the childhood timeline because we all imagine ourselves here right like jack and i have these conversations could you do this part who would you be here yeah if, if you had like the hobby situation where oh, okay. they, yeah. you know when his body was brought back could you bleed him out and butcher him if it meant the survival of everyone we had different answers. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. For me, it was a yes. I could do this if I had to. But for Drac, it was like a hell no. Like, oh, I, really? I could never really do that. Yeah. Not I, to a person. Well, no. Like, if it was one of our friends were there and then they died, like, I don't think I could do it. I don't know. I mean, especially not because, okay, remember, and this is sort of, we were going to cover this anyway. So the girls end up killing Javi. And mm-hmm. so they bring him back immediately. And chop him up. And I think that was part of it, too, is it was so soon. Like, with Jackie, she was there for a long time. And I could see how maybe her body would start to become more 
uh, less of a human more yeah, of like a yeah. delicious but, yeah, but, <laughs> but for him it was like you just watched him drown and let him die like 10 minutes ago I'm like oh no well I think that that sort of ties into like Javi's death is uh, it's like the wilderness you know asked for it or it's like you know the wilderness selected him and so I think that they were kind of like hey someone's gonna die Natalie it's you and then we're gonna eat you Natalie but then you know Javi dies and they're kind of like oh, okay well tee actually Javi's on the menu I don't know I think that it sort of speaks to like their mental state is they're not doing well they're not Mi- doing good again though Misty plays the hand of God like over and over throughout the childhood timeline she hides the black box so she ensures that they all stay there because it makes her valuable she manipulates Lottie's messages from, you know, the speaker or the seer to the tribe and then from the tribe to the seer. And she basically is in Natalie's ear like, don't save him. Don't save him because if you do, They're they'll kill, kill you, you yeah. right now. And like, it's such a fateful decision made in a split second and then totally different timeline. Uh, you know, you're making me think about this is just one of my wishes for the show. Like Misty has the capacity to be like such a delicious villain. Like young Misty is so unhinged. Like you're saying, like she was manipulative and does all this stuff. Cut to like present day Misty. She gets digmatized by the Hobbit and then like, you know, fails. I'm just like, another reason to love her. I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So moving forward. So they eat Javi. Then the coach gets freaked out. He escapes and go lives in Javi's cave. So then that like leads to Natalie becoming the leader of the group. Right. Which was a kind of a shocking turn of events. I thought so too. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I have a feeling she's going to be the one that kind of leads them out of this somehow. I don't know. I could see that. I mean, before I realized what was actually being shown, I thought that for a second, oh, the cabin burning down, this is the catalyst for them being rescued. But then they pan out and it's like, oh, tee sorry, the infinite abyssal darkness of where they're at. Like, there's, I mean, hi, the smoke just looks like clouds. Like, they ain't getting rescued. So that was the thing. That's what the season cliffhanger or whatever is it that their cabin burns down Mm -hmm. now clearly they're setting it up to be like well you can all go live in this cave because javi survived there for a month but it's kind of weird right because i mean at this point they don't know about the cave right i think only the coach had alluded to it to natalie yeah yeah she doesn't doesn't know where where it is is. but this kind of brings us to our queer characters and they're not even queer coded they're just like straight up lesbians. Mm-hmm. You know, Taisa and Van have been kind of having this subplot line yeah. about Taisa's sort of like night terrors and that kind of a, a second self that she has and the shadow self who's aware of all the, the tree marks and the trees yeah. yeah and how they kind of like triangulate where that cave was and I think that's how they ultimately found Javi. Oh. So maybe there'll be a piece to that but something that I found interesting and I know it's part of the key of like understanding the larger story is that once Taisa kind of crossed over and accepted Lottie as her lord and savior and started eating the meat, the nightmares went away. Mm-hmm. Like the torment went away. She's like, um, now that I'm kind of like following our spiritual leader, I'm not tormented by this wilderness spirit. And there's something about like order and being controlled and like, I don't know what it is, but hopefully we'll figure it out. Yes. And I feel like that is one of my favorite parts about season one, which I don't think that they really lean into in season two, which is, is it magic or is it just what's happening out there? Because yes, uh, Taisa accepts Lottie as their leader and then suddenly she's kind of cured. But I'm like, okay, is that that she's kind of allowed this magic into her life? Or is it just that like the power of belief is enough to kind of keep her going? Like, isn't that sort of what religion is all about anyway? Like yeah. just a belief system? I think it can be both. Yeah. So are we all on the same page that this is our more favorable 
part of the two halves of the show, like the past sequence, right? Yes. Yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into that next. But a couple of questions I had about the past timeline before we move on was, why don't they try to walk away? Okay? Because, like, and I know it's a fantasy. We've been over this a hundred times on this podcast. But they did not crash on an island. They are not in the ocean somewhere. They are just in, like, Canada or something. So, like, what they must, <laughs> they know that they weren't flying over water. So why hasn't someone said, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk because I know if I head in any direction, I will eventually hit a city. Okay. There's a lot going on in this show. So panning back and just asking yourself a simple question like that doesn't happen. I mean, I get the timelines and the switching new characters and everyone's like crazy and murdering people and, you know, doing wild stuff. So just panning back. I don't even think one year has passed since they've been Mm -hmm. stranded. Right. But we have two major factors that I think give us the answer. Number one is it's winter. It's covered in snow and mountains. So if you can't keep yourself warm and fed, you die. And I think that can just happen in a couple days. Maybe even the first night, like hypothermia, you would freeze. But number two, you also have a pregnant woman with you. So there's a pregnancy. Well, split up. Well, there's a third. And I agree with both those points. But hi, they also have tried this before. Like they tried to escape in season one. And what happened? The wilderness sort of answered that question was like, Absolutely not. Van is going to get eaten by these wolves and y'all are going to go back to the cabin and sit your asses down. Well, the blonde girl exploded over the lake, but we know she's still alive. Right. Uh, right. Oh, tell us about <laughs> it. She's in the cave. But anyways, <laughs> now that's what you are. Y'all are going to be gagged when they go to the cave and the coach is going to be there with the blonde girl because I will be I can't guess wait. what? I can't wait. Guess what? Javi was in there for a month. That blonde girl could be in there. You don't know. <laughs> oh, I love God. I love your faith. I, I love your spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and you love the coach's leg. There's one oh holy shit. Let's just say I mean I, I I'll just be honest with you. Even if if I tried before and the wilderness tricked me, once we started <laughs> eating at each other, I'd be like, guys, I'm out. Like I'm gonna just take my chances and and try to do this and just dress real warm and bring some firewood with me. But let's just say they didn't do that. Why is nobody looking for them? This is mm. not the 50s. Like, it's in the 90s. Like, well, they, people would look for them. I think that one of one of my favorite things about when we do the <clears throat> newly minted Junior Mints Movie Club reviews <laughs> is, you know, we all have different perspectives that we Newly look, minted? <laughs> you know, we all have different perspectives. And I think that you look at what we watch with a, like, a critical pragmatic real lens Mm -hmm. but for me in this situation i'm like well i think that people are desperately looking for them but i do like my okay here's my big prediction is that there is nothing supernatural but that there is like magnetic poles or something like the bermuda triangle like it's just science it's like why shit goes weird like i think that there is something that's happening but like they can't be found basically but they have a fire burning constantly every single night there is a fire with smoke coming out of that house there is no way that nobody couldn't find them but the question of like why don't they just get found or why you know what who's looking for them i feel like they answered that one for me in the finale where it's like the house is on fire and i'm like okay surely a house level fire will you know, someone's going to see it, but then they pan out and it's like, whether it's the wilderness, big air quotes, capital W wilderness, or it's just, you know, the dark, it's so dark that no one is going to see this. And that's like, yeah, but brutal. in the daytime, you'd see the smoke point. I don't know. Look, uh, obviously they must be implying that there's some sort of like magical, like, I guess it's not a Bermuda triangle. It's like what? 
Canadian triangle thing that's happening. <laughs> a, a Canadian square. Canadian Alaska square, <laughs> MC squared thing yes. happening. Okay, so f- whatever. That's, what that's fine for that. But it uh, to me, it just seems like, I don't know, when you start eating each other, you might say, if I don't start walking, I'm next. So like at some point, I feel like you just risk it. But whatever. Who knows? All right, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to discuss the present day half of Yellow Jackets and see what you all think of that. Stay tuned. Welcome back, my little darlings, and welcome to the present day timeline of Yellow Jackets season two. We're jumping now from the past where we last left them. The entire cabin was burning down. And what a shot. That was really a dramatic Mm -hmm. shot. And I think it's inferred that the coach who's who's now completely freaked out by their version of like the girls team Lord of the Flies style. is just like they've gone over to like just pure savagery and he nailed them in and literally tried to kill them all. Like that's well, we don't know that we don't, but that could be the blonde heavily inferred. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's this, it's the ghost of Javi. You know what? This show did jump the shark a little bit this season. Oh, it totally did. I mean, let's jump it. I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, Blondie killed them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> cocaine bear is going to come up in, in season three. <laughs> cocaine shark is going to come up the shore. I'm into <laughs> it. Okay. But just one last thing on the past timeline. I'm like, all right, ladies, I know that things are dire. And I know that, you know, hi, the house is on fire. You have the axe. Bust a window, please. Uh, they're like kicking mm. the door down. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. D- I'm like divas. Like, hello. There's so many windows. Just smash one. Well, not mm. to mention, I mean, there's so many people in the house. And it's so quiet at night in the woods. Don't you think you'd hear someone nailing, you know, a thing? A hundred percent. Like a thousand. I mean, the way I sleep, you make the one little <laughs> and I'm awake. Like yeah. I'm like, like shot up awake. Anyway, you know, the show asks us to suspend our disbelief and we do. And we don't know if we're dealing with magical forces or the collective like desperation or whatever it is. But we're now in the present timeline. Mm-hmm. Fast forwarding as season two culminates all of our main characters end up at Lottie's mountain retreat. And Lottie basically thinks that the wilderness wants them to do what it's always done, which is, as we learn, a hunt must ensue. Like, has the wilderness ever given us anything for free? Like, we have to hunt. And one of them is the prey. Yeah. What do we think of this idea? I thought it was very strange. I found it a hard. I, I couldn't buy the fantasy, you know, like. I don't know. It, it almost feels like they're like, oh, what do we do in the present day? I don't know. Let's like do this. Cause I'm like, it, I thought it was weird. What, what did you think, Ian? I 100% agree because, you know, to answer your question, Swan, I fully buy that in that situation in the past, I'd be like, well, yeah, the wilderness demands sacrifice. I'm like, I haven't eaten in a thousand years. Like, I'm feeling crazy. Absolutely. But in the present, like, I thought that the show was going to go more in a like true crime drama kind of like, the cop is like, I'm going to figure out what's happening with like the yellow jackets and they band together. But instead they sort of loop back to the sort of like, is it supernatural? I mean, it does lead to one of my favorite quotes from the finale, which is when Shauna is like, Oh, what? You're just going to like, you listen to, you know, the wilderness or the it that's out there. And they're like, there is no it. It's just us. And it's like, what's the difference? And I'm like, okay, that's mm. where the show really culminates is like the wilderness has just been inside him the whole time. Yeah. But 
I don't know. I did think it was a little silly and weird. I'm like, okay, just put on these masks that I guess you've had the whole time. Like, whatever. Well, right. they showed them making they it. Made but that, I thought that. it was like, to me, I don't know. Like, if you ever go back and visit, like, high school friends or you go back to your hometown or something, you know, and you're just not anywhere near who you were when you were that age and you have a life and, like, an adult life and jobs. And all these people do. They have partners and responsibilities and things. I just find it very far-fetched. They'd be like, yeah, you're right. When we were high school kids, we did this. So now I'm going to be willing to commit murder. I'm like, no, you wouldn't. I don't know. I hate the phrase trauma bond, but that applies here like sort of perfectly. And I can think back to periods in my life, not on this level. Hi, I've never had like a cannibalistic episode with my friends. Wait, you haven't? No, not. not, Oh, we're going to Australia. Not yet. (laughs) Um, But I have had like crazy experiences with a tight group of friends and or may or may not have been hallucinogens involved. <laughs> and when, when we talk again later in our lives and we think back to that, no other person on the planet can relate to that energy and that connection and that experience except for the people that were there. And this is such an intense shared experience. I kind of do believe they could revert right back to those people that they were when they were children and never kind of got over it. There is no therapy that can erase that. There and and high all of their lives are still very very messy from this experience. So I don't know. I'm kind of on board with we can go back to those roles and maybe there's something that we need to address that was never been addressed. Maybe, but like, how old do you think Taisa's kid is? Eleven. Okay. Maybe? So I said okay, like nine. No, yeah, eleven. Younger, right. Yeah, how nine. long do you think? So she's been with her wife and she's had a kid and it's the kid's eleven. How long do you think they were in the woods for? I think up until this point, it's only it's going to be less than two years. No way that someone, you know, think about it. She's had this adult life with this kid and this wife. And no way would she question that over something that happened for 16 months. Yeah, but she has a dark sided diva living inside of her. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Again, I mean, I think this is like he said, like the show asks us to sort of suspend our disbelief. It asks a lot. It, it really yeah. does. <laughs> I think she might really ask did. too much. Okay, so then yep. let's pick up with uh, after that. This character, Walter, right? The Hobbit. I can't stand this character. Yep. Like this character, on one level, I love that Misty has found her kind of like perfect playmate slash lover. And I, and I do kind of like enjoy that. But this is where I think that the adult timeline goes so far into like, this is an unbelievable person lane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. the scene for me that was wow. I wish everyone could see the <laughs> the, the notes that we're referencing here. Uh, anyway, yeah, for me the scene that I was like, I'm gonna pack. I'm gonna, I close my laptop. I'm gonna like I'm gonna pack my bag. I'm gonna take my wig and I'm gonna leave. Is when Walter full speed Hobbit runs, grabs the mustache cop's gun, shoots Kevin in the back of the car and is like, hey, now you're implicated. I'm like, no, you're no, not. Yeah, like, this yeah. isn't real, diva. This I'm is like, my was, least favorite yeah. part of the entire both seasons of it the was, show. Oh, it was, so it was, I'm sorry. It was bad. It was yeah. not a good moment. I don't like it. I don't buy it. I don't like how it tried to like neatly wrap up everyone's storylines. Not no, I was man. upset. Yeah. I left another note for you. Oh, okay, I was fabulous. upset. Oh, <clears throat> so the mustache slut cop is now Ian's lover, mustache the ride cop, as Ian calls him. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> 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 yeah, okay, but so like that moment, I was frustrated. Like, I think just, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to the wrap up, but I. I love Yellow Jacket season one. Like, I think it's like pinnacle prestige television level. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like this, like the finale is a good example of like why I'm a little concerned for the future of Yellow Jackets because I was like, 
oh, this is messy and not in a fun way. I'm like, I don't like that it's wrapping up in this way. I, I, I just don't love like Callie's involved and it's like everyone is it's like all happening so fast but it's so fast and they're like oh well, we could just package this up and I'm like no you, no like yeah. what, what happened yeah it <sighs> drug out and then wrapped up way too fast in my opinion I, and I don't like Walter I completely agree <laughs> the pacing was slow and methodical almost the whole season and at the end it was like we have six or seven pieces left let's throw all of them at the finale it within the last like 10 minutes so with that whole thing with Walter and I said, this implies that Shauna is also now completely absolved, absolved yes. of all. I mean, that also, mm-hmm. this has been a driving thing from the beginning. And now we're just going to like neatly erase it. That's well, silly. I guess I'm answering my own question now, because as we discuss, my wheels are turning in the background because the wilderness takes and gives. Right. So once the sacrifice is given, they get to eat Shauna. And once the sacrifice, another sacrifice is given, you know, who knows what's going to happen next now that the house burned down, like something will develop from that. And now that Natalie is like surprise killed, like everyone's absolved and life is going to kind of like rewrite itself in some way. Like it it needed a sacrifice and what sacrifices are not for nothing. Like we get something in return for them. So maybe the gift is that everyone sort of goes where they should be. And that includes Lottie being sort of like whisked away to get, you know, mental help and like Shauna sort of off the hook. Maybe that's what that's about. But there, if, there is a question though, that one of my favorite moments, cause it, to me it planted a seed and I really hope the writers are doing something like intentional with about the next generation. Cause I don't know if any of them really have children. Like we, we do have Thaisa's boy, but I'm not even sure if that's her biological boy. And it might matter because, you know, the generations of this tribal idea, right? Because when Shauna's daughter comes in and pulls Mm -hmm. the gun, like Lottie's gag, she's like, this is your daughter. She's so, she's so so strong. She's so powerful. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cause like kind of the hairs went up on the back of my neck. Cause like, you know, what does that mean in the middle of the woods in front, you know, stopping the kill and literally again, altering the timeline of who's going to go and who's going to stay. Just really interesting. I agree. I thought that that part was maybe one of the, it's just, I mean, it is just a piece of dialogue, but I do think it's like one of the best parts of that because (laughs) I don't know, there's like such a weird, like who's on first comedy of that scene where it's like, like, hi, we're all middle-aged people chasing each other through the woods, wearing masks and I've got a knife and you know, Misty's got this syringe full of bullshit. And then, oop, Here's Callie. Oh, but just wait. There's more. Here's Lisa with a fucking gun. I'm like, oh my God. Everybody run. <laughs> Callie's got a gun. Da, 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 da. I, I was so enamored by all the masks because it was so like, it was like, let's all design different masks. Yeah. And you get asymmetry <laughs> and you get the bark and you get the feather and you get the bird beak. And it was just too, it was too they much. started running. I was like, God, it's like the Benny Hill theme in the background. Yeah. So what, what do you think, you know, of the surprise death? Let's talk about that because Natalie is killed by Misty accidentally and that's it. What do you all think of that? I love Natalie's character. I love damaged characters. I like, I like people. I don't I hate even use the word broken because I think everybody's kind of damaged to some degree. And I guess I enjoy really damaged people. And even in my personal life, I give people that I've seen a lot and have been through a lot, like tons and tons of like passes. I feel connected to characters like that. So I hated to see Natalie go through this. My prediction is I don't know that she's gone. 
Even though Joe, I'm sorry, this is your blonde girl. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she dead, she's mama. Dead. Why? Because she just is. They've even talked about it in like articles. Oh, and well, stuff. I can't take. I, I'm not going to say like I cheated and went and read reviews like y'all did. <laughs> but I'm just saying. <laughs> but the coroners I, came and yeah, like put her in the like, body bag. Oh, did they really? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Maybe I just kind of like cashed out. Hi, it was a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah. There I'm is like, a I'm lot t- going I'm on. I'm taking my purse and I'm leaving now because this this ending is crazy. Oh, girl, I literally when. When Natalie was on the plane, I was like, goodbye and good night, everyone. I'm not, not happy with it. To answer your question, oh, Drac, right, right. We did I, the whole thing. I am displeased with the outcome of this show. Yeah. I'm not happy. Yeah, they killed <laughs> Natalie and brought in the Hobbit. I'm like, that. what's going on? Yeah, I mean, to mirror what you said, Swan, you know, about like you like damaged characters, I will say, I do love some bleak shit. So, you know, Misty's break, and I'm like, I killed my best friend, which I'm like, also, not your best friend. That's your I delusion. Know, I thought that too. <laughs> but like, you know, like, her, it's weird. It's like, I feel like these war characters, Previously, I was like, wow, like I, I root for them in different ways. But in the aftermath of season two, I'm like, I don't know that I really feel attached to anyone except for Lauren Ambrose's acting, who's adult Van. I feel like she says like three lines in the whole episode. And I was like, wow, she is giving happy pride. I think you're too attached to your days of like six feet under. I'm like, she good. I know. Okay. I was. I actually thought she was really fake seeming. Oh my gosh! She gave, <laughs> I'm sorry. She gave the best nonverbal acting in the whole episode. Diva. I don't know. I didn't. Buy, I felt like she was kind of try hardy. I, I didn't buy her for some reason. But so, who is your favorite character so far? Like, as now season two is over, so we have one and two, adult version or you know, or child version. You can only pick one. I think the person who is the most fun to watch for me is Baby Misty. Bam. That's the one yeah, for me. That's the too. one that's because I just don't know what's gonna happen. And by the way, when you said she was like, "Oh, I killed my friend," I'm like, "Yeah, again." <laughs> totally. like, it's what you do. It's, it's what, what you do. Like, why so shocked, lady? You've done this before. <laughs> oh my god! I think that my favorite like '90s timeline is Natalie. I've really developed a soft spot for young Natalie, and I think that the way that her character—not even just her, but like her positioning on the show, like the weird almost kind of like Lion King moment where like they all and like they pay their respects to like the new queen. I was Mm. like, okay, this is weird on a level that I can actually get into. I'm like, oh, we've all lost the plot. Like no one is sane anymore. And I was really into that. And I I like Natalie, uh, Sophie Thatcher. I think she's great. She has a great great character. Mine is Baby Misty too. But I also love Natalie, young Natalie. Gotcha. And guess what? I'm a Shauna stan. Like, I think Shauna is a very interesting character. Like, I love how corrupt she is as an adult. I love that she, like, fucks the young guy. I love that she pulls her husband into it. Her husband's fucked up. Her daughter's fucked up. Like, everything she touches turns to ash. Like, I really, I'm really into it. She's definitely (laughs) interesting. She's definitely, like, one of the most interesting characters on the show. She (laughs) elicits a lot of response. Like, even for me, to me, there's something about her that feels very selfish. And I think in an environment when you're a, a tribe and it's about survival, that person, to me, has to go. That person has mm. to go because it, it sucks too much attention and resources, you know? Okay, on that note, and I, I do have a weird thing to say on the, the Shauna thing, but when Shauna is writing in her journal at, like, the very end of the episode, I, like, paused it, and she, like, basically says something to the effect of, like, this whole time I thought that it was Jackie that made me feel so, like, invisible, but now I realize, and then she kind of, like, she turns, and that's when she realizes that the house is burning down. And I think that the reality is that Shauna is the villain of the show like shauna 
has always been selfish. Shauna has always been the one who's like, what about me? I should be the main character. And it makes her the best character in the show. Like, I feel like I have been sitting in my, like, old dark house with, like, two empty chairs next to me waiting for you guys. Like, when you're ready for the Shauna party, I'm here. And we're here! Yeah! I'm not on the Shauna party. Uh-uh. Jack, you already, you already showed up. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think so. I said you I would have killed her. First. That's fine. I mean, hey, you know what? In, in Yellow Jackets, anything's possible. <laughs> no, anything's possible in Yellow Jackets. So, world. do we have any predictions for C- Oh, Well, first of all, you know, I think we... All probably saw the news that there is a secret episode of Yellow Jackets coming out, Ooh. but due to the writer's strike, it's not coming out right now. Oh. It's, it's going to come out closer to the premiere of season three, they said. I think I'm actually into that timeline. Yeah. Like, I, I'm I, like, I, so it's the season, it's season three, season three, episode zero. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm into that. To summarize everything, my feelings about Yellow Jackets, I capital L O V E love season one. And I kind of lowercase love season two. Like, I really enjoy <laughs> Yellow Jackets. Like, even if... We all love it. Yeah, yeah even yeah. if Walter sucks and it went too crazy and the ending was weird. Like, I love the show. I agree with you. And I think it's interesting. Like, when I was watching the episodes and I was kind of preparing, I was like, I don't know. I'm, like, sad and whatever. But, like, talking about the show reminds me. I'm like, hi, there's, like, a weird tribal cabal that's happening right here. It's like, I love Yellow Jackets. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's fun. Is it a perfect show? No, but it's kind of maybe why I like it. And I don't know, season two is so off the rails sometimes. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, whatever. Let's just enjoy it. Let's have fun, divas. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the only show that we've dedicated, like, you know, multiple episodes reviewing. It's so, so good. It is. Uh, it, and it reminds me when we went to the <laughs> premiere of Boogeyman a couple weeks, what, a couple weeks ago, we saw and met Sophie Thatcher and Baby Misty, who I don't, I don't know the actress's name. Samantha, but, I forget her last name. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and she's just as, like, kind of, like, she has like a mystique in real life too, Sophie does. So the, like the Natalie character is super cool. I'm really looking forward to the third season and like episode zero of season three, if that's what it ends up being. Let's okay. So let's talk predictions. Do we have any? I have no idea where they're gonna go because the, with the adults now that they've wrapped up these storylines, I have no idea. I have one prediction. It's for the '90s timeline. I think that episode zero of season three is going to be where our '90s cast fully turns they're like the prey become the hunters because they are going to find out that the coach did it or even if they don't have evidence they're going to hunt the coach and they're going to kill him and eat him out of like just revenge and i think that's going to be the shift of like we are no longer just in the woods trying to survive like we are hunting i can get into that story because when we lose the plane and we find the house we're led by like the spiritual leader and at the <gasps> and at the loss of the house we move into hunter mode, right? Which is we, Natalie's. Which is Natalie's oh, character. We, we become violent and we become, it's survival. I think that there, there, I think there may be a, ser- I just got this kind of like flash in my brain. There's going to be a search party at that house. They're going to go and take refuge in the cave and they're going to find s- some rescue and they're going to find skeletons because there are going to be skeletons there. And they're like, there's been no survivors. Like there's the crash site while they're taking refuge in that cave and they're going to be left there again for another season. Oh my god! Oh, actually, no. I do think that another season. I mean, I could see them being out there for like two six more. Seasons, like, I right? mean, I mean, like another year or whatever. You think it is so? The yeah, last. they'll they'll yeah. give up and yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I got got what you're saying. I want to say maybe a, a, a Natalie isn't dead yet. <laughs> <laughs> she Michael Myers out of the body bag in the ambulance. <laughs> yeah, you never yes. know. I wouldn't be surprised with this show. Yeah. Anyways. It was fun watching Yellow Jackets all season with you all. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to season three. 
That's all the time we have for tonight, but we will be back with a regularly formatted episode soon. Remember, if you have any listener questions for us, you can write us at creatures at belaybrothersdragula.com and we'll answer them on air on the next episode of the podcast. Thanks for listening. And remember, darlings, to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. The Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted by the Boulay Brothers with their co-host and producer, Ian DeVogler. Engineered and mixed by Carlos Bueno with music by Neuron Spectre. 